You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Stephen, and we're so glad you're listening today. We have a few guys in the room that are familiar. Zachary Garza. Caroline Cash. Hello. I just called you a guy. That was kind of weird. I was going to say. And our special guest today is Edward Franklin from Voice of Hope Ministries. Yes, hello. Hello. So glad to have you on the podcast today. So glad to be here. The vision statement of Voice of Hope is Voice of Hope Ministries exists to extend the love of Jesus by nurturing and training children through biblical teaching, Christian character models, life skills, coaching, and educational support. Edward just celebrated 15 years serving in his ministry, Voice of Hope Ministries. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Where's the bells? Like, bing, bing, bing. I know, yeah, seriously. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, the live audience. You probably applause. do some bells here. <laughs> bells and horns and, you know, cymbals. I've known Ed for probably three or four years now. Something four, like that. Four or five years. Yeah, like, like 25. <laughs> and, man, I think it's been five or six years because... How I met Ed is Ed and I were fortunate enough to be sponsored by a philanthropic charity mm-hmm. in the Dallas area back in about 2015. And this person gave six organizations in Dallas who were up to good things um, some cash. And they brought us all together for a dinner. And the executive directors of every organization had to speak about what it is that their organization was up to. And where was this at? Like Papa Do's? Or? No, this was at um, Cafe Momentum. Cafe Momentum. Ooh, oh, I love that place. Okay. It was if you're awesome, in Dallas, man. check out Cafe yeah. Momentum. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And Ed got up there in front of about 100 people and unashamedly spoke the gospel. And he prayed and he was telling people about Jesus Christ and he just was going for it. And I said to myself, that's a man who I need to meet. And mm-hmm. so I feel like so often whenever we fundraise, Sometimes there's a temptation to focus too much on what it is that you're doing and not enough on what the Lord's up to. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I've kind of learned from Ed over the past five or six years just, hey, what does it look like to run a godly ministry that they're strong in structure and they are um, good to their employees and you're an excellent boss with um, where you have goals and outcomes and things of that nature while still keeping Jesus Christ at the center. Um, and so, man, Ed and I have had, we meet probably every quarter to every six months. And I just honestly just ask him a bunch of questions about how do you run a ministry? How do you handle a board? How do you handle being a father, being mm-hmm. in the midst of being in charge of something? And man, he's just been such an asset to me. And so, and he's doing amazing things. I mean, they're serving 300 kids every single day with their after-school program. They do summer camps. They've been around since 1985. Is that right? 82. 82. Yeah. And so, you know, Voice of Hope is a staple in the nonprofit um, segment of Dallas, Texas. And so That's awesome. Just mm-hmm. super grateful. So, so awesome. You, re- you receive that? <laughs> and you receive that? Receive. From Ed. one executive director <laughs> yes. to another. Yes. And Ed... Remind, I mean, please tell me if I'm wrong, but aren't you, are you a doctor? No, I'm getting my, I'm, I'm pursuing my doctorate of ministry. Yeah. Uh, from uh, currently Knox Theological Seminary. 
Um, so we're not going to get into that conversation right. when I started it. Uh, but uh, I'm hopefully, prayerfully, we'll finish uh, in 2020. All right. Wow. I did start in 2003. That's okay. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, I you know, I, I stopped for 10 years and then got back into yeah. it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Ed's married, has a wife. And yes. three kids? Yes, sir. And they're okay. all teenagers. Oh, God yeah. bless oh, wow. you, sir. 13-year-old mm-hmm. twins. Amen. So, uh, <laughs> wow. Keep us in your prayers because this is the age of opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's the age of something. Mm-hmm. There's some challenges, but they're also <laughs> wonderful opportunities. Yeah, come on. I had a professor uh, in school, uh, Paul Tripp. You may know him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was my professor in my counseling class, and he shared, it was marriage and family, he shared that uh, oftentimes the teenage years are um, considered, you know, very traumatic and stressful, blah, blah, blah. And they are. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's also the age of opportunity. And I never forgot that. That's yeah. good. That's it's really the way good. you approach Even when we're talking about mentoring, the way you approach what you're about to do determines your behavior. Wow. We all know that our beliefs determine a lot of times our behavior. Mm-hmm. So what I believed about teenage years determine how I interact now. Mm-hmm. And that belief, that seed was planted in seminary a long time ago that this is the age of opportunity and we use this time for his glory and uh, for the building up of my kids because they're going to be teenagers for a small amount of time. But they'll be my children forever. Are you with me? Wow. So therefore, I try not to let this time dictate the, the, the way we relate to each other for a long time. It's you, really good. We all know adults who have been impacted uh, or are impacted and they're stressed out today mm-hmm. based on their relationship with their parents mm-hmm. during those mm-hmm. teenage years. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so hopefully, prayerfully, um, you know, we'll, again, we'll just use Go this. Go on, Ed. Come yeah, on. It's awesome. And so. I mean, like, that's a great way to segment that into mentoring is, man, this isn't just a sprint. It's a marathon, right? Like, this is a long race. Mm-hmm. And so... And don't sweat the small stuff, but focus on the most important things. And I mean, that's amazing. Ed, you were born and raised in Philly. Uh, absolutely. Okay, so here's. <laughs> He's like, we're going there. We're here's talking about exactly. You, okay. you want to go there? Okay, so <laughs> so Ed, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Were you a fan of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? First of all. I lived in West Philly. Okay. Okay. Born so, and raised? No, I was born and raised in North Philly. <laughs> on a playground is where you spent most of your days? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I had a playground in North Philly, so but that was my life, but okay. I was in North Philly and he was in West. Okay. So absolutely, mm. I was a fan of Fresh Prince. Okay. Yes. So tell us if you've got one, favorite Fresh Prince character, favorite Fresh Prince episode, favorite thing that you learned from the Fresh Prince, something That's like that. That's a good question. Yeah, that is a very good question, very uh, deep uh, mm-hmm. question. Uh, but obviously, you know, you would think that I would say Will Smith right. uh, as the character that most folks identify with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is most folks, in my opinion, identify with old Carlton. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because he was funny and right. we liked his dance because Carlton was, um, I can't say it. But anyway, Carlton <laughs> was. Um, you can say it. So he he was the example of those who were in our community trying to fake it like they wasn't from our community, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so oh, you you acting like Carlton, you trying to act like you don't live in North Philadelphia, you live in the suburbs, mm-hmm. but you live down here with us. Uh, so anyway, uh, Carlton was my favorite uh, because uh, that little dance he used to do, mm-hmm. and I had a buddy who he can do that exact dance. So oh yeah, that was kind of cool. That's awesome, man. <laughs> yes. Well, good. I've never heard that. I'm, I've heard I've heard around 
people saying that you're like Carlton trying to act like Denzel, but not you're like Denzel trying to act like Carlton. I've never heard that that flip. Did I say it. Denzel? Well, no, you didn't, but that's what I've heard. Oh, okay. People saying like there's people like Carlton and there's people like Denzel Washington, and that's like these archetypes of the black experience. And I've heard people saying saying one of those, but you just okay. communicated another one. Now you got me on this tangent. So it, Carlton is one character, basically. Yeah. But Denzel, he's played multiple characters. Yeah. So what Denzel are you referring to? Well, I I'm just telling you what I've heard. Okay. okay. And so I I think people communicate in a way through using like a, an example. Obviously, Carlton is a fictional character. Denzel's an actor. Well, when you say Denzel, immediately I think about all the characters he right. played. Yeah, but you think of Training Day. You think of okay. So that's I think what, of like big, strong, tough, like authoritative. Like okay, okay. I'm in charge here. Got I'm it. Denzel. Training Day. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. All right. King Kong. We're talking about ain't movies. Got again. nothing on me. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Yeah, y'all seen it. That should be a podcast, you know, because oftentimes, watch this now, I'm bringing it back to mentoring. Oftentimes, uh, folks' idea of urban society is primarily based off the media. Mm -hmm. And movies is one of those uh, venues that folks are, oh, is that how it is? Oh, man. Okay. And so that's a fictional character. Uh, it's fantasy, make believe, right. but it gets entrenched in folks' minds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and we just had a podcast with Will Dow from Behind Every Door, and he spoke on how the media portrays urban mm-hmm. urban life as it's dangerous. You shouldn't go down there. There's shootings. There's gangs. There's all of these things, mm-hmm. and that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, isolated incidents become representative. Of a culture, mm-hmm. yeah. well, and that's not a new phenomenon. Yeah, right. that's been going on. People I'm sure. are realizing it now. But you know, come on now, we got the civil rights movement. We got before that when people were communicating often mm-hmm. about the power of the media and how they portray certain individuals, certain mm-hmm. demographics in a certain light. It's good. Um, so, okay, so we're kind of getting into what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> All right. The main thing that we're going to do today through Ed is we're going to hear about what he calls urban sociology. Mm-hmm. So for most of us um, here in our organization, um, there are differences most of the time between mentors and their background and their upbringing and their socioeconomic class and race and all of that stuff and the kids that they mentor. And so Ed is going to enlighten us on what we would call urban sociology. So Ed, can you explain urban sociology like i'm a 10 year old absolutely and so um i'm not an expert you know i'm just trying to i don't have a phd in sociology or anything like that i took it in college one class Uh, but (laughs) but but, i mean ed has been doing it day in and day out for 15 years so i would say that you are an expert well ultimately all i'm saying is there needs to be a recognition that the urban environment is different Mm -hmm. and um, most folks don't realize that, mm-hmm. or if they realize it, they don't really understand the depths of the differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I share with people all the time, you know, uh, when I go do a mission trip, uh, to another country, or when you go do a, to a, on a mission trip, you find out some information about the people that you're going to serve. 
you know a little bit about their language, you know a little bit about their culture, know a little bit about, a little bit about their history. So you would not go out of the country to serve someone else without having some information. Yeah. Uh, but uh, a lot of times folks believe that because we live in the same city, we're in the same state, mm-hmm. we're in the same country, oh, I'm going to just go down there and I know what to do. Now, that is true in a lot of uh, uh, areas, but that's not true in a lot of areas as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. And that's ultimately what all I'm saying is that the urban community is different, especially if you haven't experienced it in any significant type of way. Right. So I would not be, I would not come to your house mm-hmm. and think because I have a refrigerator and you have a refrigerator <laughs> that I could just walk up in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not how it works. Because in my house, you may or may not be able to walk in my fridge. But I may not be able to do that in your house. You right. know what I'm saying? So that's good. You know, I can't just come in your house using my house rules in right. your house. Oh, that's oh, good. A lot of times that's what happens. People use their house rules in mm-hmm. an urban house and they're not the same. Mm, that's that's good. awesome. What is a way that you like seek to understand the context, like practically, in which our kids live, right? Like because you, you need to know the kid, but also the family. And so how do you and then the city or the area they live in? And so where do you start? Like, what is, like, point A that you kind of try to, like, narrow in on in a mentoring relationship that may be different from your experience? Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, um, I under, uh, I would try to understand that the mentee is a human being, just like me, with thoughts and feelings and emotions and all that good stuff and fears and happy concerns and joys. And so uh, I try to just listen. Mm-hmm. And ask questions. And so over time, I've learned that people do not care what you know until they know that you care. Right. You can tell them all day and all night that you care. Mm-hmm. But if you don't listen to them when they speak, that's a clear indication that you really don't care. Uh, so you'll yeah. ask me a question and I will start to share the answer. But you'll cut me off mid-sentence. You'll change what I just said. You'll tell me it's not right, blah, 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 blue, blue, blue. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's an indication. You don't really care about yeah. me. You just want me to be like you. This is your opportunity to conform me, watch this now, into your image. Wow. Not his image, but the mentor's image. Wow. And unfortunately, a lot of times we do that even mm-hmm. if it's unconscious. You know what I'm saying? We don't really mean no harm, but we come with the – uh, uh, idea that w- what we do, what we know is right. Yeah. So to answer your question, you know, the first place you start is just by building that relationship. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times for me, it's just by asking questions and listening to the answers and ask- and being genuinely concerned yeah. about this individual. Yeah, wow. that's good. That's good. Because, you know, kids and adults, they know when you're asking questions just to check boxes or yeah. just, you know, or when you're really concerned, yeah. because not only that, watch this now, we speak with our mouth, but we also speak with our body. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what we don't take as much note of is our nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. Our nonverbal cues speak louder than what is actually coming out of our mouths. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I can be asking you questions, but if my body language says, I don't, I don't really care, I'm looking at my watch for 15 minutes and this and that, well, that speaks as well, and children can pick up on that. Yeah, yeah that's good. So, has there ever been a time 
where you felt like someone has tried to conform you into their image mm -hmm. instead of conforming you into his image. Man, that is such a powerful quote right there. Yeah. So often mentors try to conform. I'm a trademark that. Uh, that's you should. trademark, so. You should. That's for sure going Watch, on Instagram. It's going to be a four-minute metric, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, You're for sure. Get paid. But <laughs> my little breakdown. So, Somebody get this guy a check. <laughs> he's been asking for that check all week. So if there's ever been a time when someone's tried to conform them into their image, not his image, tell me what that looked like in your life specifically, and tell me how that made you feel. Yeah, well, the uh, so the beauty of my life is that the majority of my life was in a homogeneous community uh, in North Philadelphia. Everything I did was in my community. Uh, the people I interacted with looked like me, talked like me, thought like me. So for the majority of my life, I was a part of the group that I was concerned about. Right. <clears throat> and so, you know, I was like, you know, growing up, you know, and all that good stuff. And so when I went to college, which was also in North Philadelphia, Temple University, uh, that's when I really started interacting with other cultures, other ethnicities, and all this good stuff. Just a little story. I'm interacting with a guy similar to you, Zach. And he's like, um, do you know Jesus? I was like, dude, I'm a black man in an urban city. Of course I know Jesus. What I need to be asking you is, do you know Jesus? Um, and so, you know, I, I left that interaction. I was like, oh, he seemed pretty, pretty, uh, uh, genuine about his question. Hmm, maybe he does love Jesus. Hmm, white people love Jesus too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, that was in college. Okay. Right. And my only real other experience with the other uh, cultures was on TV, them, Jim Baker, and all that good stuff. And sure. that was my experience. But um, unfortunately, when I you know continue to grow and you realize, okay, wait a minute, there's two worlds here. There's mm -hmm. the world I'm living in. And then there's the world that everybody else is living in that don't mm -hmm. look like me. So like I shared earlier, everything was in my community, homogeneous. Everybody made the same, looked the same, blah, blah, blah. But that's really a subculture. Uh, there's a dominant culture. Now, you know this growing up. But, you know, if it's not affecting you in your community, you don't really have to interact with it. Mm -hmm. right? But then you go to college and you're like, oh, okay, so this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. Oh, so these folks, this, this is how you, what you need to do to get where you need to go. Hmm. All right. So this is how you act in your community. And this is how you need to act over here. Hmm. This is what you talk, how you hmm. talk over here. This is what you need to do over here. We call that code, code switching. switching. You got it. Okay, brother. What'd you know about that, Stephen? Okay. You keep going. I'm just, right. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You just heard my other talk on code switching. <laughs> now nah, I'm just messing. Uh, so, you know, you learn that and um, that's uh, not forced on you per se, mm -hmm. but you learn in order to go and do and be successful, there's a switch that needs to happen and you need to be able to do that well. Uh, when I went to seminary, uh, that was really the experience where um, folks did not care about my background, did not care about who I was as an individual, but they were most concerned about my theology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I get it. But uh, uh, I'm more, uh, I'm an individual. Right. Yeah. And I would really have appreciated you got to know me before mm -hmm. you try to, you know, um, before you try to convert me and make me in your image. Um, so anyway, that was my experience. That was the, the, when I really realized that, oh, okay, you're trying to make me in your image. Mm -hmm. 
And unfortunately, you know, I was just telling somebody else the other day, um, that caused me to reject a lot of relationships because they weren't genuine. They just wanted me to confirm to their particular mm-hmm. denomination and all that good stuff. Yeah. And so there were some, and then some did me very general. There were some who just generally wanted to be friends and all that good stuff, but the majority was like, no, nah, what, what, what's your denomination? Ah, oh, you're one of those guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it wasn't like, yo, where are you from? What's your name? What's your mom's name? How did you get here? Like, all let me of hear that your story. Let me hear your yeah. story. Yeah. So that was the first experience. Now, 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 I'm an educated guy at that point. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a grown man at that point. So I can really take it. You know, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to fight. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> now I'm not going to let you convert me. You know, I got some education. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's different when mm-hmm. it's a child. Right? Yeah. Uh, because they can't fight like right. I could. You know right. what I'm saying? And so, um, unfortunately, you know, I experienced that at a way older age, mm-hmm. but a lot of our kids are experiencing it now at mm-hmm. a younger age. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, if you're not, if they're not, if we're not careful, that could mess with their identity. Right. Um, wow. Cause they can't necessarily communicate. They don't have the verbiage or the tools to communicate. You're right. And, and most importantly, they want the relationship. Right. You know what So they will. Yeah. So change. they'll conform their acquiesce mm-hmm. very quickly because that's what they think they need to do in order to be watched this now. To be accepted. Mm-hmm. It's all about acceptance. You know what I'm saying? Our country has a history of uh, acc- uh, making folks acclimate to the dominant culture. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's nothing new. It's just it is what it is. And so it's always here. It's always around in different ways and all mm-hmm. that good stuff. Um, so anyway, that was that's the answer to your question. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. So ultimately a mentor can fall into this trap of trying to convert a culture that they should actually value. Well, I think it's not just, I, mean, I think all of us yeah. fall in a trap if we're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because all of us are egotistic. All of us think <laughs> we know everything, you know, yeah. and the way we do things are right. A lot of folks have mm-hmm. strong opinions. And so, again, you know, we're talking about a mentor-mentee relationship, but, you know, oftentimes we all feel that. Now, if you're the adult, obviously, in this relationship, yes, most definitely you feel that your life, your experience is what you know is obviously better than the child that you're with. And in a lot of ways, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, getting back to urban sociology, um, a lot of times what, what I learned uh, is that when people come down into the city, they think wrong, excuse me, they think different is wrong. Mm. But different doesn't mean wrong. Different means different. Yeah. You know, every parent loves their child. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. 99.9%. <laughs> okay. Uh, loves their child. <laughs> but sometimes it just looks different. Yeah. And instead of folks learning, okay, let me learn about this differences. Let me learn. But before I make a judgment, before I say it's wrong or whatever, let me learn a little bit about it. And then let me, let me, let me look at it and talk about it and offer some alternatives. And so, um, yes, a lot of times if we don't check our, um, our our experience, our culture, our education, our family upbringing, uh, all that baggage, good baggage, that mm-hmm. we bring to every and any relationship. You know what I'm saying? I, I even have to check myself, you know, oftentimes, you know, because I lo- lived in the urban community uh, for so many years, because I've lived in underserved areas as a child and as an adult, uh, oftentimes <laughs> I come like, you know, I'm the expert in the urban community and I know it all. But then watch this now. I meet some of my residents. 
mm, I don't know nothing. Mm. They know everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, teach me. Because I forgot about that lesson. Yeah. You know? yeah. So everybody has the, the potential to, mm-hmm. you know, push their thoughts and ideologies and on you know, somebody else. But, you know, we need to be a, uh, conscious of that. You know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, so much of what I'm hearing right now, Ed, is like what we continually talk about here on this podcast is the foundation of mentoring is humility. And just you've got to be able to say, I don't know, but I'm going to come and I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to learn and I'm going to get on your level and come into your space and I'm going to learn from you. Um, so, And I agree with that 100%. And I think that we need to continue to uh, talk about that and anchor on that and all uh, as well. But I also think that, when, again, back to open sociology, sure. I think people need to inform, educate themselves on the history of our cities. Yes. And not 100%. in a big old, you know, from the agrarian society to the industrial revolution. I ain't talking about all that good stuff. Yeah. But I'm talking about, you know, there are some historical things mm-hmm. that happened over many, many years that results in what you see today. Mm-hmm. So current urban sociology is based on uh, a faulty anthropology that was uh, reinforced by faulty theology. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, and that's not mine. I I would like to quote it and be, I'm all deep, Uh, (laughs) but uh, that's not me. That was Dr. 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 Somebody from uh, Houston, Texas, Texas Community Development Network Conference in Houston. What I often try to share is that what you see today did not start yesterday. Yeah. It started a long time ago. Basically, it started when the majority of the folks that look like me uh, touched down on this this country. And boom, we were like, well, you are less than. Okay? So that's the anthropology Faulty anthropology. You got it. And then over time, it was reinforced, well, God said that you are. Less than okay, wow. and so that was theology. perpetuated. Here you go, that was perpetuated, 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 mm-hmm. and so here we are now. And people are like, Well, what's going on in that urban community? And I'm like, All right, I, I get you, I understand your question, but I'm gonna have to educate you on what happened before this, mm-hmm. okay? And so, you know, there was a, a culture of thinking that you know, African Americans in particular are less than, and then the you know, like I said, the theology, you know, reinforced that. And that led to generations of generations of people doing things mm-hmm. based on that information. Right. Okay. So laws were created. Uh, uh, primarily laws were created. Uh, things were set in motion. Cities on, were formed. Cities right. were formed and areas were developed yeah. based on that information, which, again, we recognize now was incorrect. Mm-hmm. And so that set a set a series of actions in motion, which lead to where we are today. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what I was saying with that. And I was just at a Bible study the other day and I said, you know, they were talking about how, you know, heaven is going to be a city, you know, new Jerusalem is a city. Right. And it was like, well, why is God going to have a city? You know, what's the deal with cities? And I was like, first of all, God is the man, you know, he knows the cities are the bomb. So that's why, you know, uh, heaven's a city. Uh, But ultimately, you know, when people think of cities, they often think it has a negative connotation. And that's unfortunate. But um, what we do know about cities uh, are they are uh, extremely uh, dense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of times you see the uh, 
the disparity up close in mm-hmm. a city. Now, there's disparity in a lot of places, but mm-hmm. you really can see it in a city. But what you also see is the diversity of a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, cities have, uh, especially urban communities, have everything that the suburbs have. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have people. We have love. We have hopes and dreams and fears and all that good stuff. It is different, but it's not so not so different. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times folks be like, you know what, we raising up leaders. Oh, I get where you're coming from. I know what you're saying. But the reality is there are a lot of leaders here uh, mm-hmm. in our urban community. Matter of fact, we would not be where we are today without those leaders in our urban communities yeah. uh, helping us uh, as a people uh, to navigate this wider world mm-hmm. and understanding that a lot of the stuff is unjust. And, you know, people came before us to fight against a lot of these things, but you can still make it because in most urban communities, the primary relationship, for the most part in general, was about the vertical one. God going to take care of all this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so put your faith and hope in him. You know, again, mm-hmm. I was at this Bible study the other day and uh, they were like, well, what, what, how does, how does heaven impact your behavior? How does the thought and the knowledge that those who put their faith alone in Christ alone will see him one day in heaven. How does that impact your life? And I said, well, for a lot of us as a people going through civil rights, it was the idea that, yes, this earth is not like it should be, but I live to live again. Mm -hmm. And because I do, I can fight against what's happening here because my hope is there. Mm -hmm. So I said, I like to say our urban communities are just like your community that you live in, you know, the suburbs, um, and I, that's where I really want to anchor on. Uh, I want to anchor on all the beauty, all the positiveness, all the uh, loving relationships uh, that are there, all the uh, looking out for each other, the camaraderie, the resiliency, the relationships, the laughter, the joy, and all that good stuff. And so I start with that because I want folks to understand that ultimately people are people all over the world. Yeah. Okay. Amen. So if you travel outside the country and you start talking to folks and they will start sharing with you the th- same things that you're concerned about, yeah. they're concerned about their children and their spiritual life and what's going on around them. And their, 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 uh, auntie is sick. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Please pray for my auntie. My auntie's sick too. Hey, we got something in common. So yeah. we have a lot of things in common, but I need folks to know there's the differences. Things may not work the same for you. As they work for me. That's right. And things don't work the same for me as they work for you. And so, you know, I got teammates and, you know, we will talk about how there are systems in our world and in our cities. Mm-hmm. And when I say systems, there's the educational system, the criminal justice system, the economic system, the political system. Those systems were developed and grown with a lot of that information that we talked about earlier, that anthropology information and all that good stuff. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And these, these systems were designed in a specific way. And so <clears throat> most folks, the system works well. You for, you for, for you. the majority. For the majority, for the dominant culture. The system works well. And because the system works well, you think oh, that's how the, the system works. Yeah. Works well for everybody. Works well. That's for what me. you see. That's what you see. Mm-hmm. What you know. Similar to, I was at a Bible study the other day. I'm all. I'm at all these Bible studies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know yeah. You know you're super saying? spiritual, yeah, man. Yeah, I am. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I was sitting at the table, and we were talking about something. And I was like, "Yeah, man, y'all remember when we used to get free cheese 
and free uh free ham and this and that. And they're looking at me like, what what are you talking about? I was like, you didn't get free cheese and you didn't get free government food. And they was like, no, we, we didn't get the government food. We didn't even know government food was being passed out in their communities. And I was like, oh, I thought growing up, everybody got free cheese and everybody wow. got free food from the government. I thought yeah. everybody was on food stamps. And so that was because I thought my world was just like everybody else's. And similar to people who come from different areas think that the systems and the environment and the things that they grew up with was normal for everybody. And it's mm. not. Wow. And so they bring that to the mentoring relationship. I mean, we bring that to any relationship, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But in mm-hmm. this particular context, they bring that to the mentoring relationship. And then when they real, when they're sharing and they're talking and then they're getting if, different information, they don't think, they may not think rather that, Oh wait, th- my, my, my experience may be different from this person's experience. Now they know cerebrally, they know it's different, mm-hmm. but they don't really know it's different. Yeah. You right. know what I'm saying? They know that there's, well, I'm, I'm, I'm this way and you're that way. There's some differences, but they don't really get into it. And so what I'm saying is when you're in this relationship, oftentimes it's so easy to just stay on the surface. We know mm-hmm. that as adults yeah. in any relationship, you know what I'm saying? You could be in a boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whatever marriage relationship, and you can stay at the surface, mm-hmm. but it takes work to get down deep. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to do that work. I'm talking like I'm in the hood, but a lot of folks don't want to do that work. You know what I'm saying? That's the hard work. Yeah. So Thanks, what, Carlton. Yes, there you go. I, I get Carlton on you. Uh, but that's what I'm really trying to share today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's one thing to know the child. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to ask the child specific questions. But the child is only, to go, only going to be able to share with you from that child's perspective and from that child's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know uh, knowledge based on their years. But there are a lot of other forces that are coming at that child on a daily basis that you need to know about. And watch this now. Those same forces have different consequences on the child, that child's family, Mm. that child's community. You know what I'm saying? And all those different interactions play into that child's interaction with the mentor. So, for example, you may see a, uh, have a mentor relationship, mentor relationship, and the child is acting fidgety or just pay, pretending he doesn't, um, but not, not paying attention to all that good stuff. So, normally, first thing, this child is bad, right? Now we've learned a little bit. Now we understand that this child may be hungry because food insecurity is a valid issue in our, our, uh, our land. And then we might be like, oh, well, uh, they just need more free lunch or whatever. Well, this child may be already on free lunch or may not be. Um, but they may not have the adults in the home may not be gainfully employed. Mm. Right. And they may not gain, be gainfully employed because they may have some uh, criminal background. They may have a criminal background because of the laws that were passed many years ago where you were getting locked up for little pieces of drugs. Okay. And so there's a, a whole bunch of systems at play, you know, that, that have mm-hmm. affected this child. Right. You with me? Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? And oftentimes we just look at the immediate, uh, action and try to be like, oh, the child is acting up. He must be defiant. He's ODD or he's ADD, and we don't or uh, or uh, we don't take the time to you know really dig deep in all the other factors. You do know that there's a such thing as PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. But we often only know about it from our 
brothers and sisters who served in the military. Thank you for Great. your service. Uh, but our children in a lot of urban communities have PTSD mm. as well. Are you with me? Yeah. Ask me how I know. How do you know? Because I think I got PTSD too. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I do too, man. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, but the reality is, um, you know, when you look in our community and you see little kids walking around by themselves in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a community like ours, I mean, it's, it's I'm afraid, yeah. you know, sometimes. And so a lot of uh, our children are growing up with a sense of anxiety, a mm-hmm. sense of fear, a sense of not being secure, you know, and that plays into um, that plays into their behavior. And right. so, uh, what do you call it? Community safety, or they got another word for it. But, you know, when you think about there's there's no significant police presence in a lot mm-hmm. of urban communities. Okay, so let's just take those two things. So that lack of police presence means there probably or may be a feeling that develops that I'm not safe. Watch this now. This is another one. That no one cares enough for me and about me because there's no none of the good regular services mm-hmm. that every other community has. That can play into your mind as a child. If you're walking through distress, walking past distressed community, distressed properties, that can play into you. Like, man, nobody wants to live here. Man, this is dilapidated. This is distressed. All that plays into the behavior of the child, and then all of a sudden, they walk into Forerunner, mentoring, wonderful place, oasis. You know, great people here, loving up on them, right? And even in the best relationships, you can't stop what's happening in folks' minds. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we may be having a good conversation and all of a sudden I start thinking about a traumatic experience and my disposition may change. Now, mm-hmm. as an adult, I can self-regulate, I hope, and uh, we can keep going with the conversation. But as a child, the interaction could be wonderful. But if something comes up in my mind mm-hmm. or in my heart, you know what I'm saying, or I have a flashback or I start thinking about what I'm going back to, it may affect the interaction that we have right now. Yeah. And if you are really not aware of all the variables that's going on in my life, in my family, in my community, in my culture, wow. then you may make an assessment that's not based on uh, valid information. It's wow. just based on you know this one interaction. So what I'm saying today is that I just feel it's important for all of us that minister and desire to serve kids and families in in, in urban communities to not only um, get deep and involved in the life of the individual, but also understand that if that individual is from a subdominant culture, that that individual has other variables that are affecting them in this relationship. And there's immediate variables, mm. but there's also historical variables. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's all I'm saying. That's really good. Now, wow. all that takes work. That ain't no, like, one-hour class. Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I like, mean, one conversation. One conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some folks come with a natural posture to do that. Right. And some folks come with a – they don't have a posture to do mm-hmm. that. And that's fine. You know, everybody's made differently. But all – I think we it, it, it's, it's coming upon us to be like – sharing this information like you know thank you so much for mentoring thank you so much for being a part of my this child's life we love that blah 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 blue 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 but here's some resources to help you understand mm-hmm. a little bit more about you know the urban community you know the the black experience in america now watch this now you're gonna love this one what's the demographics of your uh students that you serve i mean african-american hispanic mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're mostly african-american okay all right so that's that's cool so there's a lot of information there, readily accessible. Um, but there are also, you know, my Hispanic brothers and sisters, uh, that the 
researchers say will be the predominant uh, dominant culture uh, in a few years. Mm-hmm. And so w- with, with that knowledge, we need to be equipping ourselves about the Hispanic experience. Most of us, myself included, are ignorant of that. And all we know yeah. is what we see on TV, you know, totally. and what we may hear from uh, uh, interaction for, with one of our Hispanic brothers and sisters, which many of us may not have a lot of those yeah. folks mm-hmm. in our lives. So, so the source of our information matters. <laughs> yes, the source of your information matters. And that's another point. You know, that's a good point, too. You know, as we are sharing with our mentors, we get, need to make sure that there are credible sources of information. You just can't be Googling, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and think that what you see on here is is uh, end all to be all as far as, you know, the black mm-hmm. experience or the minority experience or anybody's experience. You know, and, and, and similar to, uh, the last thing, I know I'm talking a lot. No, this no, is no, all, this uh, is you good. know, I'm a grown man with beard, with gray hair and my beard. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot. One of the things I enjoy to do, enjoy doing, is reflecting, self-reflecting. Um, but even uh, as much as I do personally, um, there's still a lot more to do. And I'm like, man, I do this a lot. I, just, I I wonder if other people do it as well, you know? Because I'm still trying to be culturally uh, sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, and culturally responsive the people that I serve and that's ultimately what we're trying to say as well yeah you know we may need some uh, cultural sensitivity training um, you see the you see the trend in our society uh, diversity equity and inc- inclusion is a, is a is a little phrase that you're hearing a lot because a lot of folks in our in our world now are saying wait a minute diversity is not a bad thing mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying equity well everybody's realizing that there's a whole lot of haves and a whole lot of have nots and let's try to figure out how to work how to work this thing and inclusion you know over time there's been a lot of people that has been excluded from different conversations Mm -hmm. and so that's the trend now you know diversity equity inclusion and um you know we just need to make ourselves aware and that and i say all that say because the trend is that now so you know one way to introduce it to our people our friends is hey let's learn a little bit more about diversity you know Uh, or the diverse ethnicities out there you know we know of them do we know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyway. Well, can I, can I ask a yes, question absolutely. about, I mean, the, the mentee and his family are the experts on their experience. Mm-hmm. That's a good resource for the mentor to come to learn. Mm-hmm. Where does that, what I've heard before is that you don't want to, in your search for knowledge, burden someone for the the information and the research that you should be doing personally to kind of engage in the urban context or in a in a context that's different from your own experience and so what would you say is there any danger does that make sense mm-hmm. absolutely so you know in, in everything there's danger you know what I'm saying <laughs> um, but I would caution uh, folks that um, approach it that way is that everybody's experience is different you know so. You know, I could be in a community and we all could be the same on the same block, but each individual household experience is different. So, yes, I would encourage that mentor to get deep into that mentee's family and experience all that good stuff in a genuine way, but also understand, just like anything else, that represents one particular experience. There will be a whole lot of similarities, probably, of other folks' experience, but there'll probably be some uniquenesses as well. 
and understanding uh, which one is which, you know, saying that takes discernment, that takes, you know, uh, time uh, because, you know, they'll tell you that, you know, uh, nobody can get a job. And you'd be like, man, that's injustice. Nobody can get a job. And then you'd start digging deeper and you'd be like, wait a minute, you're not applying for any jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you haven't applied for a job in a long time. And what's the deal with that? Oh, I can't. Why can't you? Well, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then you realize, oh, that particular person may not have transportation. And that may be why they haven't uh, applied for a job because you know as well as I know that transportation is a valid issue for a lot of folks who want to work. Mm-hmm. But a lot of jobs are in the, in the burbs that yeah. may not uh, offer transportation. So, you know, they'll make a blanket. People will make a blanket statement. I can't, nobody can find a job, blah, blah, blah. And if I'm not careful, I'll take that blanket general statement and mm-hmm. then uh, ascribe it to everybody. Yeah. And it's not everybody. It's just that one particular family. So there's a value and a beauty in getting to know your family, but also being able to discern what is particular to that family and what is cultural, what is, watch this now, what is just in that particular community, what is regional, okay, because there's yeah. some different issues in the north than there are in the south, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for the same demographic. Okay, so anyway. Mm-hmm. so all That's that, really good. You know, That's helpful. Well, you're welcome. And that's why I'm here. Uh, but uh, all that, you know, came comes over time, you know, and, and, yeah. and there's no quick fix, you know. Right. But, and I know this because I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still developing. And so, you know, we rely 130,000% on the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. okay? Because we are all, we have all put our faith alone in Christ alone. At the end of the day, we exist to do what we do to make him known and great in the lives of the people that we serve. And I believe that the Lord will honor our actions and help us be the best mentor to the mentees that we can. But I believe as we rely 2,000, oh, wait, I just said 130,000%. But 2,000% on the spirits leading and urging and, and guiding and discerning, discernment and all that good stuff, I think he'll he'll lead us uh, in the in the path that we should go. Uh, and even with that, watch that. Even with that, we're still going to make mistakes. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But we believe that it's all in the Lord's plan. Amen. That's yeah. good. In some ways, you're a mentor and mentee relationship that is coming from two different worlds. You are you're bridging the, those worlds and it might just be one relationship, but how would a mentor kind of navigate appropriately one mentor exposing him herself to the mentee's world, but then also bringing the mentee into theirs? Like how, I guess, will you just kind of lean into what that looks like and just a good balance and what you've seen that works and just what, what is appropriate, what isn't, and just kind of help us understand a little bit more of how to do that well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good question. You know, I think we're all learning how to do that well. Yeah, totally. But, you know, as we talked about earlier, a lot of times, you know, the mentor uh, interacts with the mentee uh, like they would with their child. Uh, But most parents know what their child can handle and Mm -hmm. what their child cannot handle. And so, you know, most of us, when we're going to the airport, wouldn't give our child a 50-pound bag because yeah. we know they can't handle it. Uh, and uh, even it doesn't matter how often and how long or how loud the child asks, we know that that bag is too heavy, so we won't give it to them. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of times in the mentor-mentee relationship, especially when it's first starting out, 
the mentor wants to be liked so bad that they give the mentee the 50-pound bag, Mm -hmm. okay? And they know this is too much information. TMI. It's 50-pound weights. But because (laughs) they want to start off well and they want to make it nice and good, they overshare, Mm -hmm. okay? And a lot of times, you know, um, I think their sharing is often what they have what they where they went for vacation you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying you know that's their lifestyle right and how they get it how they, how they do they do and, and again in effort to build the relationship mm-hmm. but that may be too heavy uh for the child mm-hmm. not too heavy to understand but too heavy like wait a minute your life is vastly different from mine right you have no idea about my life so that may inadvertently cause initial strain in the relationship because there's obviously no disconnect. That's going to be a disconnect. So you start talking about some ski resorts and they'd be like, skis, what, what's that? You know, mm-hmm. I think I'm a grown man. I've been skiing ski uh, on the slopes twice, once maybe. So anyway, that's a challenge. So yeah. uh, just knowing what to share, that's but good. also uh, we had a mentor that pointed at his apartment in a, it was like a high rise uh, and his, his mentee thought that he owned the whole building. <laughs> oh, okay. He was like, how did you get, enough money to own a 30 story building. Uh-huh. And he was like, no, I just, I just live in one of those rooms up there. But, yeah. and that's a good, that's a good uh, illustration as well. Cause you know, sometimes we are t- thinking we're talking about the same thing mm-hmm. and we're not, you know, I have that problem even today with your wife. Maybe? No, I wasn't oh. going to say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, now why are you going to put oh, that? Like, Steven's got some issues. <laughs> exactly. Talk exactly, about exactly home. brother. You know what I'm saying? Don't be projecting hey. that on me. It's me. You it's my saying? wife and I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll pitch in. You know but, um, you know, I tell my team all the time, you know, I have an individual on my team and uh, we are from vastly different backgrounds and we look at life differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the beauty of the relationship because, you know, Iron sharpens iron, you know, and mm-hmm. even though she's a female, she can still sharpen iron and all that good stuff. Um, we see things differently. So a lot of times we think we're talking about the same thing. Totally. And we are not. Just totally missing them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we, I mean, it's amazing. And we really are intentional about saying, okay, stop. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, you know, I mean, this is real Just deal, holy field life. Yeah. Yes. So if we're having it as adults, most definitely it happens as a child. Yeah. You know, oftentimes when I tell my children something, I'm thinking from an adult perspective, blah, 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 right. blah, blah, They're coming from their perspective. And although we're talking about the same thing, we receive it and interpret it vastly different. So that's mm-hmm. uh, uh, something that we need to be mm-hmm. concerned about. But ultimately, uh, I think, again, when we approach it in a genuine way, wanting to learn, wanting to build a relationship and be very, very, very prayerful, uh, mm-hmm. I think the Lord will lead us and in the way that we should go. But, um, you know, I would caution about oversharing and I would caution about being, um, being wanting to be the fix it man, because oftentimes, you know, we, we want to, right. Yeah. We wouldn't be in the roles that we were in now if we didn't have a little bit of the fix it man too. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it we, can be totally well intended. Exactly. But, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And so if we go overboard with it, right. you know, we can, uh, start not only oversharing, but, uh, you know, trying to get too deep, real too mm-hmm. fast. So it's like it's one of those things. You just have to have a, a, a balance, balance, and yeah. be have a discernment, and you fight against the. Uh, you know, you know, a lot of times, sometimes rather, you know, the family may be like, "Ooh, yeah, I got one." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they'd be like, "Yeah, my sneakers are, are are busted up, and I need a new pair." And then, and then the mentor is like, you know, who has the resources, like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I can help." 
and here comes a brand new pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Well, next week, you know, and again, I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of that's, you know, not true, but I'm saying in an effort to be the savior, Mm -hmm. they may be Mm -hmm. Santa Claus instead. Yeah. You're changing the expectation of the relationship. Exactly. I'm feeling the connection with, I mean, urban sociology as a whole, Mm -hmm. you're talking about the, the complications that come with short-term solutions that are addressing a surface-level problem where a mentor can fall into that same trap of creating a short-term solution for a problem he's seeing on the surface mm-hmm. but not connecting to the underlying things that a kid is processing and working through. Absolutely. And, and I have friends who have done that. They experienced it. Watch this now. You're going to love this, Stephen. A lot of people have seen the movie the blind side. Mm. And uh, they believe that every interaction turns out that way. Mm. And so... When... I've never seen it, but I kind of know the story. You've never really? seen The Blind Side? Mm-mm. Man, homework this weekend. Watch The Blind Side. But I, I got a, a good friend of mine, you know, who he is very transparent. And he thought that... And he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you. I thought that I could be the blind side in this young person's life. Mm. And so he was doing these things in an effort to help. And it just got, it got more and more and more and more and more bigger and bigger and bigger, mm. you know, from financial. Ah. Anyway. Um, Unhealthy. Yes. Uh, but again, with his desire to help. One of the things he said to me is that um, through that experience, um, he realized that although he was trying to do his best interacting with the child, who's been with for a long time, interacting with the family, who he's grown to love and develop. He has seen the impact of the systems and how they uh, thwart a lot of progress in the lives of a particular uh, ethnicity, uh, uh, the family he was supporting. And that was like, I, I couldn't have taught you that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because we, we try to share like, yes, you can have a great one-on-one relationship, but there are other things in our world that you don't see that are v- v- valid and visible and tangible mm-hmm. in our lives. Them. Yes, yeah. you know. And so, you know, for example, you know, um, this particular individual got into the criminal justice system. And so for some people, you just pay your money, you get out, and it's all a gravy train. But for other people, even if you pay your money, it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and you're never really out. Mm-hmm. And then because you're in, that dictates how the rest of your life is going to be viewed and the opportunities that you have mm-hmm. uh, based on that record. And so, you know, as someone who has, is very um, resourced, very well resourced, no amount of money can really pull you out of that system if the system wants to have you. you wow. Me? And that's a real deal, holy field reality, you know. And so when people realize that every interaction is not going to be like the blind side, and they realize that most of these interactions are not like the blind side, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That could be very disillusioning to a lot of people, very disheartening, you know, very, like, shocking. And they're not prepared for that. They're not prepared for the fact that you can't solve these problems, okay, because they're bigger than you way bigger than you watch this now then when you realize oh i indirectly help perpetuate some of these issues wow. and systems that i'm here fighting against but i'm on a different level you see what i'm saying 
you know? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait, not only me, but my group and the folks I roll with, you know, and this is how we've been taught and this is what we've done. Anyway, anyway, it could get it could get deep. Not everybody goes that deep, but I'm just sharing how, you know, if you're not prepared to understand the uh, effects of these urban issues on the lives of the urban folks, um, it could be, uh, you know, difficult to uh, reckon with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and Ed, I mean, like, that's that's why we're on this podcast. I mean, me and my wife took in a kid who was African-American. You know, me and, I mean, I'm Hispanic, but I've got a wife who's white. And we, for all intents and purposes, live in a culture that's white. And I know, you know, that things are different, you know, da, 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 but I didn't know it until I watched how people watched the kid who we took in, our son, how people watched him. I didn't know it until we went into a church and I watched how people spoke to him. I watched how people watched him. And then he got put into the criminal justice system and I just watched how he was treated. And now that he's out, I watch how extremely difficult it is for him to provide for his family. Now he's 23 and he's got a couple girls, but he can't find a job. And I'm experiencing all of this. And throughout that entire process, the Lord revealed my fix-it mentality. The fact that I, without even knowing it, tried to be his savior. And I tried to come in and I tried to transform him into who I thought he should be. I tried to convert him. And I tried to give him education and I tried to give him all of these things and I missed it. And ma'am, I can see that now. And so that is why this podcast exists. It's because the entire time that I have been mentoring, my heart has been good. My heart has been pure, but sometimes my good intentions were really perpetuating an issue that was so much bigger than what I thought it was. And I thought I was helping and I was really hurting. And so, man, that's real. I mean, that is real life. And that's why everything that you just talked about, Ed, is just, it's so vital if we're going to be mentoring kids, specifically kids who come from hard places, that we come first to learn and that we listen and that we do our homework and that we take this seriously because it's a whole lot bigger than just hanging out with a kid for an hour. It's a whole lot bigger than just taking them to go play basketball um and just i'm you know so yeah and with that being said i do want to applaud those who get involved yeah uh, because that's a choice and you don't have to make that choice and so you know none of us are perfect uh we all yeah follow the perfect one and uh his name is jesus Dear Lord, thank you for Ed Franklin, God. Thank mm-hmm. you for speaking through him today. God, I just pray that every person who's mentoring, who's um, tuning into this podcast can learn more about how to serve your people who you love like you. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Ed. And I just pray a blessing over him and over his family and over all that they're doing in West Dallas. Lord, thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Edward Franklin from Voice of Hope Ministries. I want to encourage you to check our show notes so you can see how to connect with Edward Franklin and Voice of Hope. Today's episode hits on some topics that I think are very beneficial for us to discuss in more detail. And so I'm, I'm excited about 
having Edward Franklin back on the podcast, and he's also recommending a few people for us to have on. So get excited about more content like today's conversation. If you like today's episode, please share it on your social media. And if there's nothing you picked up from today's episode, we hope it would be this. You can mentor.